We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Room Podcast. This is episode number 26 of the pod. Joined now by Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. We're here to th- talk. All things Chicago sports going to hit some national headlines as well. We got World Series previews. We got Bears football. We got an NFL whip around college football. Uh, good times for the Irish. We, you know we'll touch on that here on the Moose and Runes podcast. The Bulls are a dumpster fire. Not much to talk about there, but we will address it. Matt, pleasure to be with you today. You ready to jump into things here? I am, Joe. Before we get into the Bears, because I know that's the major topic here, you mentioned a World Always. Series preview, which I'm mm-hmm. very. it's a World Series I'm very excited for. Yeah, it should be, a good one. Um, should, should be should be a great one. I think it is the two best teams in the, in baseball. But when we made those predictions at the All Star break, who mm-hmm. was who was going to be meeting at the World Series? Do you remember who I happened to pick? Uh, was it the uh, Joe the I'll Houston give, Astros? I'll give you a hint. Los it's Angeles the exact Packers? World Series we're seeing right now. I know. I know. You I went. I know. I went Matt. chalk, but I picked you it. Picked I was a little bit proud of myself, and I guess I just wanted some credit. You picked Duke versus Kansas, so congratulations hey, to you, pal. It still's got to happen. <laughs> no, well, well done. Um, it's uh, like you said, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a great series, and I think a Rod. I saw him on I think it was Fox Sports One or something uh, a couple days ago. He he made a great point. It's Goliath versus Goliath. These are two teams where you know usually you have the storyline of one team is the favorite, one team is kind of the hot up and comer. This is two juggernauts. Both have great pitching staffs. Both are on fire at the plate. It, something's got to give, and it should be a, a fun, long series. I think this one has all the makings of seven games, and uh, I know, sure that's hope only so. if we're lucky. Yeah. If we're lucky. Let's go, right, let's go Bears. We'll, we'll touch on that. Seamless transition into some Bears football here. The Chicago Bears walk away with another win going to three and four. The Eddie they Jackson blank, game. The, the Eddie Jackson game it will forever be immortalized as they blank the Carolina Panthers 17 to nothing. Uh, three. Just a... F- 17 to 3, pardon me. Um, I'm looking at an old box score here. Or no, on, ESPN's Joe. got the box. ESPN's got the box score wrong. Well, they're idiots then. We ESPN's should... got it 17 to nothing final with uh with three in the second quarter. That's odd. But 17 to 3. We should they report that. We should. They did get that field goal in the second quarter, but that was it for the Panthers. Bears defense standing up, coming up big. All these names we've been talking about this season on the defensive side of the ball, whether it be you know, Eddie Jackson as a draft pick, you got Leonard Floyd. All of these guys are are coming up and, and living up to to expectation, which isn't something we've seen in past years. The defense looked great, and it ended up being the reason that the Bears won the football game because the offense was absolutely futile. Um, Got to do something different there on the offensive side of the ball. But let's talk defense first, Matt. It, it was a great game. They were creating the turnovers. It eerily felt like 2006. Yeah, I was going to go back. It felt like those lovey defenses of you know mm-hmm. of 06 or even you know more towards the end of his tenure where they weren't necessarily living in Carolina to nothing they were kind of they were giving them some stuff up front but it was their classic bend don't break defense they played when they were at their best they, they'd kind of let them move the ball a little bit and then once Carolina's field shortened the Bears would kind of batten down the hatches a little bit and find a way to force a turnover be opportunistic defensive line would come through with a sack but they, they did their, their coverage was good enough to kind of take away those receivers and give the defensive line the pass rush enough time to get there uh, mm-hmm. I think they picked up five sacks on the day so that's what Stuck out with me the most. It did seem like I was watching like the 06, 07, whatever Bears, and that they would let that offense, especially with a mobile quarterback, move it just a little bit. But when it came time, they would they were the ultimate bend but don't break defense. I really think that with what the Bears are trying to do, so much of it, you know, we see the flashiness of the defensive line and the defensive backs making these plays. But the glue in the middle is this linebacker group that's been largely depleted this season. I really love the way the linebackers are flying to the ball. It seemed like there was a lot less solo tackles and a lot more gang tackling going on because of that second level play. Yeah. And Christian Jones, I mean, talk about the linebacker group, uh, people being down. Christian Jones led the bears in tackles. He had 11 total, nine solo tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. So he was mm-hmm. your ultimate, you know, depth of the linebacking core stepping in with injury. And I know Nick Kwiatkowski was ended up being active. So uh, didn't see the field, but he might be back pretty soon. But that, that depth's just going to grow even stronger now that they have, you know, three, four guys they trust to, to, to go in there and make some tackles. 
Yeah, and it's not like they were going up against, uh, you know, the Panthers might be having some tr- some struggles right now, but that's an offense with some tools. If you're talking about Calvin Benjamin, Devin Funchess, uh, Christian McCaffrey still figuring out what he wants to be, how they want to use him. You got Cam Newton in, behind under center or wherever they put him to start the, the snap, whether it be in the pistol, in the gun, over out at wide receiver. You know, they move him around, but it was – it was stifling. I think you could call that a stifling performance by the Bears defense. No, I, I'm totally with you. And I think, again, it, it, we saw another step for Kyle Fuller, uh, looking yes, more and more like absolutely. The, the shutdown corner that the Bears thought What took be. so long, though, Matt? You know, I, I don't want to be negative about maybe, it because maybe we are seeing great is, things. What flipped the switch? I don't think it was just like, hey, it's year four. Let me start playing. What is different I, I, I that think it's there's, working now? I think there's two things. I think this year, this isn't the main excuse, but I think he is finally fully healthy. Um, I think even mm-hmm. going back to that first rookie year, he had some health issues. And I think maybe now he's finally feeling full strength, whatever. I know he sat out all last year with just what was told to us as a knee scope, but maybe it was more than that. And honestly, I, I think the Bears not picking up that fifth-year option might have been a little bit of a wake-up call to him. Yeah, I, I think he might have always thought, you know, hey, I was a first-round pick. You know, these guys are going to give me as many chances in the world. But I, I think when they decided, you know, no, we're, we're not, you're not worth that money right now. We don't think you're worth that money. Go prove you are. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that might have flipped the switch with him a little bit. And I think he finally has some help on the other sides. I, mean, I know he had Tim Jennings for a little while, but that was really just one year. And I think he's got a guy like Prince Amukamara who is also in a one-year deal, who's kind of playing for his livelihood as well, who has been a – adequate you know not counterpoint but on the other side uh, you know give him a little bit a little bit of help as well and he's got mm-hmm. two safeties that are playing fantastic as well so he's, he's got some help around him where he's not necessarily this guy who has to you know shut down everything he can rely on his help in the defensive secondary as well but i, I money talks and it's a contract here for him and he needs that money yeah and uh you know he's he's a piece of the puzzle and and, and all of the pieces are kind of fitting right now anytime that you can sack a quarterback five times. You can hit a quarterback 11 times and have nine tackles for a loss. If you're getting in the backfield and creating that type of havoc as a defense, that's a formula for success, let alone winning the turnover battle, two interceptions, mm-hmm. uh, a fumble that really wasn't forced, but a fumble that you do something What was that play? That way. was the weirdest option pitch. It was I've a ever... bad yeah, It, it was, was a like a five-yard pitch. No, I think the, the pitch relationship broke down, whether that was something that the Bears did to kind of space it out a little bit, but terrible pitch relationship and cam trying to do too much but the one thing we're talking about is that ball sat on the ground for a solid three seconds when there's a fumble in the nfl unless the ball gets kicked around usually someone's falling on it Mm -hmm. that ball just sat in no man's land and allowed eddie jackson to get downhill get to full speed before he even got to the ball and take off running that was just a beautiful play by eddie Talk about a cool story with him too. That game was I think one year to the exactly. day that he broke that leg at LSU. He didn't even know it. Uh, they, exactly they brought it up to one him. Year, yeah. so I forgot who it was, but they brought it up to him in the press conference, kind of asked him about it. He didn't know about it. I thought that was that's a, that's a really cool story for him. Kind of comes full circle. Looks like he's, yeah, he's finally he's getting over that leg and he's he's doing just fine here. You know, three hundred sixty five, three hundred sixty six days ago, you're. Uh, you're thinking that you're on top of the world, going to be a late first-round pick, and then it all gets taken out from under your feet. Um, no pun intended, quite literally, gets taken out from under your feet. But to have a broken leg and be in such doubt, and then to come back and do what he's doing as a fourth-round pick, because his talent level is first-round, and I think that's Oh, you can see it. And I, people just, see, they've, they saw know, it in camp. It's all about where you want to put your chips at the NFL draft, and a lot of people passed on it because they thought it was risky to put their chips on a guy with a broken leg, and... Um, you know, that's kind of the Bears' MO is drafting injured guys. Luckily, this time it looks like it's going to work out. And uh, I drafted, I, I tweeted during the game, you just got to draft Bama. I think when in doubt, if you're in a front office somewhere and you're between a couple guys, uh, go to the Crimson. You know, go, go to the tie because. Especially Nick defensively. Got, Nick Saban's got these guys ready to play football day one. So I, I think that, um, you know, Eddie Jackson's going to be a name, hopefully, that we can, um, that we can really enjoy for. for for years to come and um, for the rest of his career, and hopefully he can keep creating uh, turnovers and taking them the other way. But uh, an outstanding performance by the Bears defense. Now, really another guy before we, move, three and four. before we move over to the other main storyline, which was just odd in the offense, the, the, the <laughs> guy playing opposite Eddie Jackson, the, the guy who Eddie Jackson pretty much stole his job, Adrian Amos, is yeah. kind of relishing in that, that second chance. When Quentin Demps went down, he kind of filled in on the other side, and he has been – 
you know, living up to the expect. He was another fourth round draft pick. I think it was maybe fifth round draft pick, but everybody was really high on him. And he's kind of starting to live up to that after kind of failing in his first and third starting safety. But it looks like the Bears might have found not just one in Eddie Jackson, but but two long-term safety options in these two. Yeah, uh, six tackles, a uh, tackle for a loss and a pass defense by Amos. And um, if it's any, if the first seven weeks of this season have been any indication, not only here in Chicago, but throughout the entire NFL, depth is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready to bring in another guy, and as seamless of a transition you can have is going to determine your level of success. On the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, you've got to be three deep, essentially, because it's a violent game, and guys are getting hurt on every single play. So when you can have three, four, five safeties that can come in and be serviceable, when you can have six, when you're six deep at linebacker, it gives you a chance. Right? No, I totally agree, and and they've done a did great job. You mid, did I just catch you mid sip there, Matt? No, you caught me mid. I was I had like a like a burp coming up, and I was trying to hold Ooh. it so it didn't make noise for you. Okay, so. I wish you could have just said that you were mid sip. That would have been. Oh, I wasn't. I'm I'm not a liar. You're um, so uncouth. You know, I was going to make a point, but let's just move on to the offense, Joe. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the Bears uh, kind of choking on their lunch, burping up a little bit, but uh, it was it was an ugly, ugly performance. Again, Mitch Trubisky only seven pass attempts. I, I understand easing them into it, but um, on the plus side, Mitch- his QB rating was one hundred one point eight, the highest of his three starts. Yeah. So and, um, you, know, you know, I know the the QB rating <laughs> is is a cumulative statistic that takes a lot of things into I still don't know effect. what it means I know it's a bunch of different stuff but my eyes tell me I always go by my eyes you know Matt we've watched a lot of football I know we're in our mid to late 20s here but football has been a part of both of our lives for the last 20 years and when I see something I, I feel like I know what it is at this point and the Bears offense is not where it needs to be. you know I was on I was definitely in the sit Mitch camp. We all know that. But now that he's playing the game, you need to allow him to play the game. I think they need to take the reins off of him just a little bit because what we have seen out of him passing the ball has been all positive. He's not making bad decisions other than other than the interception yeah. at the end of the um, which Vikings game. Was that? Game. That, Vikings. that was the end of the Vikings mm-hmm. game. Yeah. So I, I think that you got to let him play. You got to let him make his mistakes, and you got to let him succeed too, because both of those things are going to go a long way in building who he is as a quarterback. If you're only letting him throw the ball seven times, I don't think you're letting him make too many sh- positive strides. Yeah, that was that was one of the the buy or sell questions I was thinking about asking. It was whether or not throwing seven times is, is stunting his development. A I little think bit, that's unacceptable. Yeah, like there's, I get that there's being conservative with the kid, and I get that they had you know a 14 point lead, and this has kind of been. John Fox's MO, I think this is the third time now that he's won a game in the NFL with a quarterback throwing like less than 10 times. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point with, with a young development, I mean, the, the, the other two quarterbacks he did that with were Tim Tebow and Chris Winkie. So those aren't, two, yeah. those, those aren't you know, quarterbacks who you think have the, the highest of ceilings or the talent that a kid like Mitch Trubisky has. So I think yeah, I, I get being conservative. I get wanting to protect the ball with a 14-point lead your defense just gave you. But at the same time, you still do have to add on because while the Panthers were not playing that great on Sunday, the Bears' defense is not always going to be that dominant. They're, they're going to have their down games, and Mitch is going to have to go out and win a couple games for you. And I yeah, think you have and to he's got to be ready to do that. Yeah, you have to get him comfortable in that role throwing the ball. You can't ask him to win the game for the first time when he's averaging you know 12 throws a game. Um, I, I don't think that's fair to him or, you know, fair to the team to put him into a spot. And you need to give these receivers a chance, too, because I know they're not very good, but they also need to get their work in other than blocking. And you can only get so much done in practice. I think you need these in-game reps to get them working on route combinations. Get them catching the ball. Try and figure out creative ways to get them in space so they can stop, you know, hearing the noise about how badly they suck and how they're yeah. the worst receiving core in football, which they are. But they, they also need to get a little bit more confidence in themselves. They have some young guys. Get them into bunch sets. Get them moving here. And just try and create your own separation if they can't get it themselves. Yeah, I, I understand protecting your quarterback and playing into your own strengths. But you make a good point there. There is a trickle-down effect to every other position on the field when you're only allowing your quarterback to throw the ball seven times. They're going to load the box. They're going and to we saw it with Jordan box. Howard this week. We Jordan three Howard's going to run into a... Jordan Howard's going to run into a brick wall, 21 carries, 65 yards, three yards of carry, and he worked for every single yeah. one of those 65 yards. His long run was 11 yards. So 
defenses are going to be allowed to play downhill on you for 60 minutes, and that's no fun for anyone. Not good for your offensive, offensive line, line either. They're going to take a lot of shots. Line, not good for your running backs, not good for your quarterback. You need to be more balanced in your attack. This is two weeks now where Chicago has only thrown or had one completion to a wide receiver. Zero this week, one last week. Tanner Tariq Gentry. Had reception. Tariq Cohen had a reception. Tanner Gentry had a reception. And Zach Miller had a reception. So pardon me, that's two. That's two res- two receptions no. by wide receivers. No, Zach Miller's a tight end. Oh, in the last two weeks. I thought you meant this week. Gotcha. Yes, in the last two weeks. So uh, Tanner Gentry doubling the Bears' <laughs> the Bears completion uh, to wide receivers over the last two weeks. Told so you he was worth it. Something, something needs to change. Something needs to be adjusted because we talked about it last week, and you even saw it a little bit more this week. While defenses are built to stop the pass nowadays, they're they're going to adjust their approach week to week. And when you see the Bears throwing the ball a total of 17 times in two weeks or whatever it is, you get downhill, you load the box, and you blitz them. Because yeah. there was a play, there was a third and one. A numbers game. The Bears, I think, had like second and six. Jordan Howard rushed up the middle for five yards, and there was a third and one. And the Bears put, you know, I think they had a, their, their jumbo set, whatever the hell it was, and the Panthers loaded the box with, I think, ten guys. And completely stuffed the run. It was one of the most predictable play calls they you could ever imagine. And it's, it's stuff like that where you need to have at least a viable threat of a passing game other than the rollout because defenses are starting to just kind of assign one guy to that rollout and they're taking it away. And that, mm-hmm. that, like everybody keeps saying, well, it's easy to get Mitch out in space, you know, do some play action rollout stuff. Well, that's not there anymore. And you started to see that in Baltimore when I think they pretty much just had Terrell Suggs for the most part spying that and basically taking it away. So that's not going to be there either. You need to get more creative in your play calling. And I don't really think this is as much on Dowell Loggins as it is John Fox, because I think, I think like I was saying earlier, we, we've seen this before with John Fox where he gets, you know, uber conservative with his quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. I, I think he basically puts the restraints on the Dow Loggins play calling basically says, no, we're going to run the ball. Dow probably wants to throw a couple passes, get creative. No, I think we should just run the ball. And, and I think that is what's happening because we've seen it in the past before. Yeah. I, uh, I know this is just jumping the shark big time here, but I'm excited to see what they do in the off season in terms of the wide receiver position, because you know, that's automatically where my eyes go when I'm watching football and there's nothing out there for the bears right now. Um, whether it be free agency or trade, they're going to have to make a move. And I think that this approach further cements the fact that, you know, we got to beef it up at the wide receiver position. Totally. This year. It could, because they have the weapons all around them. And I, it, yeah. it's a, the, the, from what we've seen from the talk going into next year, from what we've seen from the Vikings this year, they're not anything unbeatable. The Lions are, are who they are. Sure. They're always going to be the Lions. And the Packers are a very good team, but they're also, I mean, they've also been shown that, if you have a great passing attack and you have a good defense, they, they're also beatable like the Falcons did to them last year. And they, they, they only have that one Super Bowl in the Rodgers time, so they can be beat. It's not like they're this unbeatable team with Rodgers back there. They just do have a really good quarterback. Yeah, but, you, get a little, you get a little top end speed on the outside, and life is easier on everyone on that offensive side of the ball. Now, Joe, the, the Bears are obviously playing a lot better football here. I think expectations have clearly changed, and I think people mm-hmm. are – you know, thinking a division, you know, competing for the NFC North with Rodgers out is now a possibility. But say mm-hmm. they do, and say they finish, you know, eight and eight, and they fall at seven and nine, whatever, fall, you know, a game or two short of that division. What are you doing with John Fox? Because yeah, this team is playing well, and you know they, they've they've started to play better. But is that a more on the coordinators than it is on him? And B is he the is he the guy you want leading the development for Mitch Trubisky? You know, because this he, is a, this he, is a large topic that I, I'm just gonna we're just gonna broach. I just want to touch on the surface level because there's so much to be talked about here with John Fox and you know having your quarterback and your head coach um, be coupled. You know, to have them be congruent, to have mm-hmm. them on the same page. So if you're gonna make a change, sooner the better. But I've always been I've always questioned firings when the grass isn't always greener. You can't fire someone unless you know who you're going to hire. That's too fair. Often, too often at the collegiate level and at the professional level, GMs and organizations fire coaches because of scuttlebutt, because of white noise, because of what's being said, because of what they hear, because they think change needs to happen. Well, change, is, change can't occur unless you're changing to something else. You cannot change 
to null. You cannot change to zero. You need to have something better, someone better in place to bring in. I don't know who that is right now. I don't know who those names are right now. Now, we haven't broken it down and looked at it. Who would be the right person for well, Mitch I, Trubisky I and think, the Bears' development? I think the popular name out there is Josh McDaniels. I think that's the name you hear most out of Bears fans' mouth. At least I don't know how realistic that is with the situation. Yeah, he's we, in. but he also Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels has had the option to go wherever he wants for the last four seasons. But now, hear me. Maybe this is just me sounding like a homer. Why Chicago? But what? I guess why not Chicago? They have what looks like a very young and budding top five, top ten defense in the NFL that's probably only improving with how young they are. They have this young and up-and-coming quarterback that everybody thinks has a lot of the, you know, a lot of potential. They have a running game. They have an offensive line. All you need to do is get some weapons in there. And I, I know he has Tom Brady, but he's done more with less weapons around his quarterback than just about any coordinator in the NFL. And I know a lot of that's Tom Brady. That's not. I'm not an idiot. That's not lost on me. That's also part of the system, the way he's able to get receivers like Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola, um, uh, Dion Branch back. No, he didn't have Dion Branch. It was Charlie West. Those guys like that open um, when they've really done nothing else. I mean, Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola were nothing in you know Miami, St. Louis. Chris Hogan was cut before he went to the Patriots. So he's done more with less around his quarterback than just about anybody in the NFL. So I think All a I'm team like that, the Bears might be a solid situation. It might be the, the right situation for him to go to. Not that he'd take you can, it. You can rationalize any situation. All oh, I'm I saying know. is I'm that I want, I want the front office to get as close to they can to tampering uh, without tampering. I'm I with want, you there. I want I want the GM sitting back to back with whoever his new hire is going to be at like a non-discreet diner having a conversation with someone across the table but an, an agreement is going on here. I want to know who the coaches before you fire John Fox that okay. that I'm totally with you they I would they need to have somebody they need to have the right guy lined up before they do it because I don't think you John cannot, Fox is the worst option cannot cast us out into the abyss you know because that's what happens and then you end up with some no name running your team and you're already talking about after three straight losses to start next season you're talking about who the next guy is it's it's a it's a spinning it's a it's a circle Time is a flat circle, you know. I mean, I like guess the, the one detective. I love that show. That's I need to re- <laughs> I need to rewatch that season. First season, um, it's the great. It might be the best season of television of all. We'll, we'll get we'll get that we'll get, too. That. We'll get to that in the mailbag <laughs> at some point down the down the oh line. God. <laughs> um, but I guess my one counterpoint to you is is John Fox's last stop uh, in Denver. They kind of let him go without having a guy ready to replace him yet. And I know that team was a little bit more ready to win, um, but they, they, they let John Fox go uh, after, I think it was what, going to the Super Bowl. They let him go after that Super Bowl, after they got blown out by Seattle in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of waited out and brought along journeyman head coach Gary Kubiak. Kubiak, yeah. And then one, you know, ended up going on to win the Super Bowl with what was a dominant defense at that time. I know it's Peyton Manning, but not a yeah. very great option at quarterback. And other than Demarius Thomas, some limited, you know, weapons around him. So, that, I, you so, know, that's the way I, John Elway's been running good, that team. Yeah, I'm, I'm, John Elway's been firing from the hip, and it's yeah, worked out. It's also put him in a couple bad situations. He didn't let me finish. I, I, he didn't Trevor let me finish. Right. I was going to say I know that I might didn't. be more of a, <laughs> a you know, anomaly. You know, the the not yeah. the not the norm there, but it, it has worked before. And I'm not saying go ahead and fire John Fox, but I, I'm with you. If they have a guy who they think is right for the development, whether that's John uh, Josh McDaniels or uh, Jim Bob Cooter over in Detroit, whether they like him, I don't know. But uh, if they have that right guy lined up or they think they do, I would be okay with it. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's a storyline that will definitely play out in the coming months, Matt. A lot going on around the NFL. Uh, not, not really a favorite right now. Uh, we watched, obviously, we saw Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles kind of last night emerging as the NFC's favorites, looking like a complete package over there, in awe of what Carson Wentz can do. That's advanced scouting, picking that guy out of the bunch and saying he's the future because he looks like he's not only the future for the Eagles, but for the NFL. That looks like a man playing quarterback. I know everybody wants to make fun of Cleveland for trading the Deshaun Watson pick this year, but trading the Carson Wentz pick, passing on him is even I mean, way more egregious at this point. <laughs> how, how do they keep doing this? How can you have the? It, it, it's it. I know it's been you know be, you know it's there been some bad front offices and stuff, but it's different front offices who do this every time. How can this franchise be this bad? 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm I know the sure. Bears aren't much better at scouting quarterbacks, but they at least seem to have found a guy who's going to be there for yeah. the next five, ten years or so. How how are they this? But how do they keep passing on these guys? Matt, Matt, this isn't a Browns podcast. I know, okay? but it's just rain it in. Stupidity, it in. stupidity bothers me, Joe, and that's why <laughs> no, I bother it was, myself. Often. It's it's year it's year after year. Um, you know, it seems like an inept decision or two is made by the Browns, but it's not easy. It's not easy to draft. It's not easy to win football games, and that's really on display this season with kind of the mediocrity that mediocrity that you're seeing across the NFL. Um, what is your takeaway just as a whole this season? It seems like a toss-up. Why is that, and who do you think is going to emerge here in the middle of the season, second half? You know, it's it's just it's weird to see. There's, it, I think the parity has been growing, you know, for the past few years more and more, but it's, it's, it's weird to see how much of an unpredictable, I don't want to say mess the NFL has been this year, but different teams are kind of winning, you know, different games you don't expect them to every week i think you've seen the eagles kind of emerge as the favorites if not in the nfc the the nfl as a whole uh i think the rams are looking like a really good team as odd as that might say jared goff looks like he's actually playing almost like an mvp candidate out there in la but you got the patriots as well but other than those kind of those those are the three teams the patriots more on reputation alone and and having tom brady but other than those three teams is there like a right order to, to order the rest of the NFL outside of, you know, New York and, and Cleveland are kind of at the bottom there, but everyone else just seems to be a mixed bag every week. Yeah. And that's for where the bears are at right now. It's encouraging. It's great because thing. you can be a part of that pack for the next few weeks and figure out who you are. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one and not be irrelevant. And at some point, if you're going to make a push, I think that it'll still be on a, on the table there for you to make a push. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's just, hopefully that is what happens because that division, like we said, is, is is as wide open as it gets. And I think you're going to look back on that Monday night Minnesota loss, letting that slip away at the end of the season is kind of the one that uh, the one yeah. that got away from Minnesota, Atlanta. You know, a lot of close close games here. Why but does Matt, Atlanta stink now? By the way, yeah, that's. They're, they you scored know, I think, one touchdown in their last, like I think, like sixty minutes of football or something like that. Or, yeah, you know, with, with such a high-powered offense with so many weapons, it just doesn't make sense what's going on there. I, is it lingering effects of the worst loss in NFL history? I think it makes you, you wonder you how important Kyle Shanahan to, was. Yeah, it's true too, but you wouldn't have to convince me that this isn't all residual effects of a broken psyche in Atlanta. That could be. Yeah, now um, I want to paint a little picture for you here before we we move on. Uh, when, Are you Bob when Ross? The, when the ooh, those are that's not, there's no mistakes when they're birds. We're turning them into birds. Happy little but birds. When uh, when the Bears aren't on the regional broadcast here in Lincoln, I run over to uh, a local watering hole. It's awesome. They have three massive screens there. Oh. I mean, like sports book screens. It's a really big bar. It's called Longwells down here in Lincoln in the Haymarket. Um, great for football. They got the ticket every single game on. So I'll go down there to watch the Bears. Um, it, little did I know that this Sunday, uh, Garth Brooks was paying, playing a matinee show across the street because Longwell's is kitty corner from Pinnacle Bank Arena. Oh. I was the only person there not in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and a plaid shirt. When you Bears jersey? Sorthum. I had my Walter Payton jersey on, there it is. jeans and a Bears hat. There it Luckily, is. the bartender was a Bears fan, so he took care of me, but it was absolutely it was it was a comedy. It was it was a scene. I had people coming up to me, asking me like, "Oh, why aren't you going to the show? This, that, and the other." And I was just trying to like keep to well, myself. Why, why didn't you go to the show? Because one, it, the pr- prices were. It was you thought you were going to see Bruno Mars. Yeah, you thought well, you were going I mean, to see Joe. You thought Joe, you were going to see Lennon. You thought the Stones were in town for what it, it cost it, to go. First see off, it, to, to the to the country world, the country fan base, <laughs> Garth Brooks is that is John Lennon. But yes, also, no, you're, 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 you need to understand. You've lived there long enough where I think you need to understand your audience. John, uh, oh, Garth no, Brooks I, in Lincoln, Nebraska, is you know Bruno Mars. He is I, John. He is he is all those. I am absolutely aware of that, but. Point being, um, what was my point there? Something I had a realization. I, oh, I came to the realization while I was sitting at the bar enjoying a beer. Um, by yourself, doing, Joe? By myself, doing some introspective. Hmm. I met up, met up with some friends later. but sure doing you some did. In, doing some introspective thinking in the first half. The Bears just met my projected win total. I, I really had them at three wins. So everything from here on out is bonus. It's, it's all good. It's all positive. And I'm so happy that while... They might not look exactly how we want them to look as a winning team, as a ball club to move forward with in the future. 
they're they're winning games, they're in games, and it's interesting. And that's really where my expectation was for the Bears this year. So I'm a happy Bears fan. Joe, I, I'm now having memories of the the first time we did this thing, the first podcast we recorded, and you were screaming at me, telling me how the Bears are done. They're run by idiots. They're inept. They'll, that was all draft. That was all draft reaction. And I but stand behind everything. But, I, no, I but, stand behind everything I said. How? How do you stand behind? I said Eddie. I said Eddie Jackson was our one bright spot. The one thing that I liked out of it. Mitch Trubisky's I, I, been a bright Mitch, spot. I think Mitch you can't Trubisky, argue that yet. Mitch Trubisky grew on me, but I, if you go back, I wasn't as low on Trubisky as I was on what it took to get him here, on the way that shook down. That's where my anger came from. Hey, they that frustration a, That frustration is still alive, okay? Hey, they, Cohen, they, added, they added a fourth-round pick, and their two fourth-round picks are looking pretty damn good right now at Eddie Jackson and Tariq Cohen, once they figure was, out how to use Tariq Cohen. The right I way. was waiting to see on Tariq Cohen, and I don't know what's going on with Adam Shaheen. But that's but, what the draft is. Everybody's waiting yeah. to see in the draft that's why it's you fair. can't get so pissed off after a draft it's a draft you don't know standing what they are behind my ire i am standing behind my ire i'm still waiting to see but i'm a happy bears fan we'll, we'll recross this when the bears win the division this year and then i can i can make you your words a little bit matt let's talk about uh something we agree on here let's wake up the echoes for a moment oh they're know. they're they're woken up i think they're woken up saturday night now i painted a picture for you i need you to paint a picture for me your memorable moment from ndusc you sat through lived through so many beatings both at USC and at Notre Dame to sit in the stands and have never have a doubt on Saturday that the Irish were going to win that game. What did I, that feel like for you? I, I, I didn't, I mean, it, it's hard to put into words. I think the, the closest thing I felt like was when they blew out Michigan, that 38 or 31 nothing game. Yes. The uh, last matchup. The last matchup. Obviously the, the rivalry is back on again next year, but it, that's what it most felt like. But again, it almost, as awesome as that was to see, Notre Dame wasn't really like a national championship contender that year, and that wasn't mm-hmm. really like a, you know, it was a great game. It was a great, not a, it was a fun game. It was a great rivalry matchup, all that. But like, this game actually had natural national relevance to it, and and USC came in here as a as a pretty good team, and Notre Dame just kind of dominated them on all really three facets of the game. Yeah. Uh, that that was just something I've. I haven't really seen as a Notre Dame fan in a long time. I've seen them win big games. I've seen them, you know, beat some ranked teams that they probably shouldn't. But I don't think I've ever seen them blow out a team like you. I'm used to USC blowing us out and down years on the road. I'm not used to yep. seeing us take advantage and just kind of that pure dominance up front of the offensive line and by running back in Josh Adams, who certainly looks every bit like a Heisman candidate at this point. Honestly, that's what gives me the most solace about this Notre Dame team and makes me the most excited about them is the fact that it's all starting up front. The offensive line, regardless of who's behind them, regardless of who's running the ball, regardless of who's taking the snaps, young quarterback, it's the best situation to succeed as an offense when your offensive line is dominant. And they've been nothing short of dominant. They've allowed a young quarterback to get his footing. They've allowed a established running back to burst into stardom and become, you know, a Heisman contender, if you will, in Josh Adams, it's, it's coming together at the right time because of this offensive line play. Yeah. And that, that it, it showed they have four seniors on the offensive line. So that's, it probably won't be the same next year, but that's what shows the, the value in kind of having, you know, being able to recruit up front and kind of being able to have guys good enough where they can start at a younger age. So by the time they get to this point, They've played together long enough and kind of have that cohesiveness as, as a unit. I think the difference to this year, too, is, is Brian Kelly has taken a step back from the offense. And he's kind of started to overlook the program. And the, the two coordinators he's brought in, in Chip Long and Mike Elko, have just – the defense is playing with largely the same people they played with last year, except they are clearly a much better unit. They're, they're mm-hmm. taking the ball away from teams – uh, and the offense has actually realized what their identity is. They, they had the same offensive line and running game last year, but they tried to throw the ball 50 times a game. They've kind of realized they need, they need to go back to basics. All these these great teams, these teams that win national titles, these teams that go to the playoffs, it always starts up front and it starts with a great running game. And if you that, that that's the ultimate, I think that's the ultimate factor decider, whatever in these these big games with these teams up front. I'm not saying Notre Dame's going to go to the playoff. I'm not saying they're going to win a national championship. But the fact that they can compete with teams like that is because Joe who texted you is because they can run up front. They compete with any front seven in the, in, you know, in college football. There's a work text. And I agree with you. They can compete with anyone in college football. And Matt, I know you're hesitant to say that they're going to make the college football playoff or run the table here on the way out. 
but I think it's starting to get realistic where you can say the, that. The, can the win against USC made that. it realistic. I will 100% it's, agree it's with you It's a 49-14 to 14 win over the number 11 team in the – take the name away. It's the number 11 team in the nation. You get 14 in NC State this week. You get eight in Miami in three weeks, and you finish off with a number 20 Stanford. Who knows where those rankings will be upon those given matchups, but – it's all out in front of you, and Notre Dame looks like a team, again, because of that offensive line play, that should be favorite in every single one of those games. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know I've taken some heat on it in the past, but like we, we said, that that rushing attack is, is looking more and more each week. It looks like they're, they're proving my statement right after the Georgia game that they are one of the best rushing attacks in the country. And like we said, if you can do that, if you can run the ball well, and you have that young quarterback back there, it's going to give him chances to succeed because it's going to make them roll that safety up in the box. If you can run the ball for 370 yards against USC, teams are going to take notice of that, and it's going to make throws for Brandon Wimbush, decisions for Brandon Wimbush, that much easier. He doesn't need to make every single throw now. He just needs to make you know, half of those wide-open throws and take advantage yeah. of some of those opportunities so they can't load the box fully. Yeah. Love him or hate him. Looks like they're here to play uh, the Irish takedown USC this week. It's NC State. Let's take a look at the rest of the top 25 scoreboard. Memphis takes down Houston, number 25. Alabama rolls over Tennessee. How Butch Jones still has a job. Covering you the spread, Joe. They covered. You tell me. They covered a massive number. Penn State, uh, a, a win over Michigan, but what could be a – you know, I don't want to call it a program defining, but a Jim Harbaugh era defining loss at Penn State, forty-two to thirteen. TCU, my lock of the week, coming through in a big way, forty-three nothing over Kansas. How Wisconsin. that was the primetime game on Fox Sports One, I'll never know. You know, I had that thing picked. You know, I saw it. I'm on a heater, two games straight. If we look at our, you took a loss this week, correct? I, I'm, I'm down spot? to three and three. I had Purdue, uh, my given nine at Rutgers. I didn't know Purdue was bad and Rutgers was yeah. good. I, I, Purdue's. Purdue, uh, we're going to get to see here in Lincoln this week. I've seen Rutgers. Rutgers is really bad, so I don't know how bad Purdue is. Hey, they, they beat Illinois. last week. But right now, uh, I am back up to 2-4, and four, and you are sitting at an even 3-3 three and three for our lock of the weeks for the season. Uh, Oklahoma State takes down Texas, a tight one there. Texas not winning games, but starting to show signs of growth uh, with, with, um, with, Tom with, Herman tail, with Tom Herman in this tail end of the season. Um, definitely what you want to see as a Texan, Texas fan, because uh, it's been dark days there for a little while. Virginia Tech over North Carolina. Washington State rolls again over Colorado. Uh, Michigan State, number 18, kind of sneaking their way up into the top half of the top 25 here. Only a 17-9 win over Indiana, but uh, wins a big win. games coming up. A win's a win, and some, uh, some big games coming up this week. Should be another fun week of college football. I think it's time to give the people a lock of the week, man. Uh, you, you go first. You go first. I'm still deciding first. between I, two. I teed you up so professionally there, and you're going to make me talk again. That's yeah, fine. I am. But, I just, the, the people okay. like your voice, Joe. I've, I've steered clear of it because of, uh, you know, I, I've seen them, and I've seen the volatility of the team. But uh, I think i got to roll with the Huskers this week. It's a um, – it's a they don't are, fall into the trap. I know this is very unprofessional, but uh, it's on the road at Purdue. Who cares? West Lafayette's not a tough place to play. They're, lay, they're getting six and a half from the Boilermakers. I think that um, coming off of a bye week, coming off of a terrible loss against Ohio State, there is some pent-up aggression, and you can sense that with this, with this Nebraska football team. And I think they're going to go out and uh, perform. I think they're going to go out and execute against a lesser Purdue team. We were talking about it yesterday. There are tiers in the Big Ten. You obviously have your top-tier teams, your Michigan, your Ohio State, your Penn State right now, uh, your Wisconsin. You get to that secondary tier, and that's where you get your Iowa's, your Nebraska's, your Northwesterns. And then there's the lower rung. And I think that's where you find your Rutgers, your Maryland, your Purdue's. I think you can fit teams in the Big Ten into those rungs. I'm betting one rung over the other. Uh, Nebraska getting six and a half at Purdue. That was a very well, well thought out, uh, thorough explanation breakdown of the Big Ten. I was so trying I'm to very... give you plenty of time to pick one. Well, I, I, I was saying, I was pre congratulating you on a well articulated argument. Jeez, you don't have Thank to get you. all mad at me. I appreciate it. Um, I, I've been back and forth between two here. Part of me, Kentucky giving four and a half at home against Tennessee, who is just just oh. awful. Um, <laughs> or Kansas State laying 24 on the road at rival Kansas. Um, I think I'm going to go with that one. I, I think I'm going to stick with the, the theme of t betting against Kansas. Okay. Uh, Kansas State's a pretty good team. 
Uh, they, they haven't beaten one of the big boys in the Big 12 yet, but they've competed and just you know with TCU, with Oklahoma, they're right there. So I think that Kansas is just awful. Yeah. Uh, and I know it's a rivalry game, and sometimes those tend to be close, especially at home, but I think Kansas State goes into uh, – Goes into Lawrence and, and blows the doors off the Jayhawks. I'm going to take Kansas State minus 24. All righty. Should be a fun weekend of watching uh, college football, professional football. It is smack dab in the middle of football season. So I, I challenge the Moose and Runes listeners to kind of come up for a little air, take a deep breath, and appreciate where we're at. because We're on the backslide here. It, we, the season well, goes you, by get, so fast. It does, and you get to we get so entrenched in it that – it's the Super Bowl's around the corner, you know, and, and it, it sneaks up Stop on us, it. and then football's it. gone. Stop so come it. up for a little air. Stop it. Take a deep breath. Just enjoy where we're at in the football news cycle, Matt. Stop trying to make me sad. <laughs> I apologize. Well, uh, it happened uh, almost a week ago now, but uh, we have yet had a chance to talk about it. Just a, uh, a quick post-mortem here on the Cubs season. The third straight NLCS trip. Got to chalk it up as a positive. At the end of the day, the Dodgers just were too much proved to be too strong of a matchup for the Cubs this season. Yeah, um, it it kind of feels like the the reverse of, of last year's NLCS. I think Theo called it the mirror image of it, and I think that that's about right. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers were just they they were just too good. That that bullpen, that starting pitching staff, the, the combined with kind of the playoff long slump, all of the the Cubs top of the order guys were in. Um, it just it, it wasn't really meant to be for them this year, and it was kind of their season in a nutshell. Um, they gave you some things to be excited about against Washington, some things to make you think that maybe they do have a chance here, but really it was just too much up and down, too much slumping at the wrong time. The bullpen was just, it was awful. I don't mm-hmm. think there's, a, there's a, other than Wade Davis, I don't think there's, a, there's another way to put it. Uh, but they, they just kind of ran out of gas, and maybe they were a little bit tired from you know three whatever NLCSs in a row, but it, it looks like the, the Dodgers might be kind of last year's Cubs with how good this bullpen might be. They have that team of destiny type feel. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but they just, they ran to a buzzsaw. It happens. Yeah. Yep. They absolutely did. Um, played some good baseball, but not good enough baseball down the stretch. And uh, just, I'm, I'm happy for Cubs fans again, that it was an invigorating season, an interesting season that they had something to root about because at the all-star break, when we were talking about them missing or making the playoffs, it seemed like it was going to be one of those, you know, wet down seasons yeah. following a world series uh, win. And it wasn't, it, they, they gave Cubs fans something to cheer about. And, um, you know, it was uh, an exciting, an exciting watch down the stretch, I think. Yeah, it was a fun series. Where the hell did Chris Taylor come from? I like, no I, I, he just kind of came up out of nowhere out of that Dodgers system and ended up hitting, I, I, I knew who he was, but I, I before one of the NLCS games, I actually saw his regular season numbers. Apparently, mm-hmm. had like twenty home runs, seventy RBI. He wasn't even one of their top prospects, but he's hitting top of the order in the NLCS, playing right field one game, shortstop another. I mean, they did this without Corey Seager too. Yeah, and that just shows phenomenal. how shockingly deep their lineup is. I mean, when you got Yasiel Puig hitting like the old Yasiel Puig, not the the prima donna guy who doesn't really care and is getting sent down to Triple A anymore. They're 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 really makes tough a team bit of a beat, difference too. Yeah, they had Andre <laughs> Ethier. And I think yep. it was game three, or yeah, game three, stepping out and uh, hitting, in, you know, hitting fifth. I forgot he was in the league. He hits a home run, goes two for four in game three. It just, it, it has that, you know, twenty sixteen Cubs, twenty two thousand five White Sox with Jeff Blum hitting the home. It feels like just kind of no matter who they put in there, they're kind of everybody's, everybody's clicking on all cylinders. They're, they're just kind of have that team of destiny feel to it. Yeah. Well, as as one season comes to an end, uh, we have a birth renewed in the Chicago Bulls, Matt. And uh, it's a dumpster fire, to say the least. Yeah, um, so I heard yesterday that Nico Miritich is still considering legal action against Bobby Portis. Oh, God. So that's fun. Uh, this, might, <laughs> <laughs> this might get even better. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, uh, there, there's not too much to talk about. They're very bad. Uh, their starting lineup, I, I did Bulls pregame live for their season opener. It was one of the more depressing NBA starting lineups I think I've ever seen. Uh, the... They, we did a player matchup, like who to watch for on the Raptors and the Bulls. The who to watch for on the Raptors, DeMar DeRozan, very competent, you know, NBA budding star, whatever. The Bulls player to watch for, Joe, was Justin Holiday. Do you know who Justin Holiday is? 
I'm a fan of the holidays, but I, I didn't I, really know who he was either. Uh, he, he apparently was on the Knicks last year. He apparently had a stint with the Bulls a couple years ago, but he was their player to watch, averaging seven points a game, I think it was, or something. How's uh, how's our boy Big Ski taking all this? How's Chanowski? Is he taking this in stride? He, he knows what it is. He, he's fine with it. He's excited to get Zach Levine back. He, he's, he's hoping when Chris Dunn gets back from injury, he can be a competent point guard and kind of refine yeah. himself outside of – a Tom Thibodeau system, which is a very difficult system for a rookie quarterback or rookie point guard to kind of develop in. But he, he's he's high on Zach Levine. He's hoping that he can come back strong and, and prove you to know, be a, you know an exciting player. Mark was always a glass half full guy, but I don't even see a glass right now. No, he's 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 not he's not thrilled with, yeah. with where the team's at. My the uh, my I guess my anecdote here would be napalm. It needs to be burned to the ground from the top to the bottom. Reinsdorf. Reinsdorf needs to say thank you for playing and just burn the thing to the ground. That's, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen, Joe. I really don't. I think I, they're going to let but, it ride with these guys. But if not now, then when? You know, because this front office isn't getting it done. This is incompetence at the highest level. I, I think you need to give them the year. I, I don't think it does you any good to fire them now. I think you do need to give, give them, them the year to sell their houses, but give, tell them at them the end the, of the year. Give it's them the over. year to see what Laurie Markinen does, to see what Zach Levine does, to see what Chris Dunn does. And as long provided those three aren't like budding stars in the league that you're confident building around at least two of those three going forward for like, you know, a, a championship team, I think you got to let them go. There's, They've had so many chances with this team, and it's yeah. ten years later, and they're still saying, "Well, you know, we got unlucky when Derrick Rose hurt his knee." They're yeah, still well, using that as an excuse. They they said that and Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose and is he's still hurting again. his knees. Uh, he's, <laughs> and it was his ankle this time, Joe. Come on, let's be fair. whatever. Lower ankle. body, who cares? It's you got to feel bad for the. It's guy. all a sham with the Bulls, but uh, yeah, Bulls not going to be much to watch there. But the NBA is back, and that's always exciting. It's uh, it's. You know, sports greatest soap opera because uh, it seems a bit tailored. But uh, you know, you got you got the Golden State Warriors who don't look like the Golden State Warriors early on in the season. Some they will big, eventually. They will, and some new some new big threes around the league looking like they're going to be fun and awesome. Finishing that Minnesota um, Oklahoma City game, Oklahoma City yeah. game the other night. OKC is going to be a fun watch. So uh, um, call me on Christmas, and that's when I'll, I guess I'll dial it in. Uh, you know, I will call you on Christmas, Joe, to say Merry Christmas. <laughs> to, say, to say Merry Christmas. Because that's what we do here. All right, Matt, I got a small grievance. Tee it okay, up. Okay, let's hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Matt, um, this comes under your inspiration, and you made some good points about this, so I, I kind of want to highlight this as our grievance. I'm uh, an inspiration of, to you? You're an inspiration always, Matt. Nice on on a daily basis. That's the nicest um, thing you've ever said. But uh, the Cleveland Browns, we kind of talked about their futility over the last years in drafting, but they do end up with a quarterback in Deshaun Kaiser, uh, a Notre Dame guy. And not to just blindly defend the Notre Dame guy here, um, he took a lot of flack over the last week for being at the bar, quote-unquote, on a Friday night. Um, it's an 11-second video that shows him standing at a bar um, just on a Friday night. With a backwards um, hat. They noted that, too. With, yes, very notable. Up to no good there with very that backwards notable. hat. Very notable. Dang kids. Um, so he's standing at a bar, but apparently he was at dinner with friends or teammates prior to, and it was him getting a drink at the bar. This is a grown man. Let him do what he wants. This This shouldn't bring his his uh, commitment to the team into question. If this is what you're highlighting as a Cleveland Browns, your focus is all off. I know you want your quarterback to be the leader of your team and, and lead the right way, and I don't think being at a bar on a Friday night is the way to do that, but was he at a bar on a Friday night, or is this an opportunity to have a sensationalized headline? Was this a guy getting a drink after dinner with his friends just so happened to be at the bar at a restaurant? Like we got to put things into context here and... Um, is a young man, is a 22, 23-year-old man who's trying to find his footing in Cleveland. Um, not the easiest thing to do, as we've seen failure after failure in Cleveland. Now, if he's out at the club on a Friday before the game, getting messed up and totally a fool of himself, completely different thing. But let's put it into context. Let's call it what it is, and let's give this guy a fair shake. And I guess that's my grievance for the week. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. He said that very well. He's, Thanks, he's a young man. kid. He's not. He's not doing anything stupid. It's. It's. It's not like it's a Saturday night. It, it's a Friday night, and I know. I don't know if they have training rules over there in Cleveland, Joe. 
Uh, but but Friday they have night many rules over there in Cleveland. <laughs> Friday night at a bar with a couple friends, keeping it low key doesn't seem like much of a problem to me. I know they they, they stink, but that's not necessarily all his fault. Not the end of the world, but uh, seems like it is over there in Cleveland. Matt, let's do a little buy or sell. What do you say? So sticking with the blind Notre Dame love, um, <laughs> I'll start off. <laughs> okay. This, is, this question wasn't really my doing in defense. I've seen this one floating around Twitter and ESPN especially, but Michigan suffered a uh, another tough loss against a, a top-tier Big Ten opponent, and they're, they're starting mm-hmm. to get the whispers. I don't know if you've seen that graphic, but they compared, you know, Brady Hoke through how uh, 31 games, whereas Jim Harbaugh compared through 31 games. I'm not going to go there. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is a much better football coach than Brady Hoke, and whoever thinks otherwise is an idiot. But is Jim Harbaugh is is Jim Harbaugh overrated as a head football coach? Buy or sell? Um, or, or are you buying that he is? Yeah, overrated? no, you have to yeah, state sorry. that. You're, I'm, okay, you're saying that he's overrated. I'm, I know. I'm asking you if he is. Well, you can't ask the question. You have to make a sure. Statement. Joe, That's how buy or sell? Buy or sell? Works. Jim Harbaugh is overrated. There you go. There you go. Thank you. I'm going to sell on it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's all perception when you're talking about someone being overrated, underrated. But um, if anyone is going to be able to bring a program out of the depths or through a hard patch or through a difficult point in their history, it's Jim Harbaugh. Again, it goes back to is the grass greener on the other side? Who is the name that you would bring in if you want to run Jim Harbaugh out of town? I'm seeing the same thing here in Lincoln. The fans already have Mike Riley gone. Now, is that justified? I'll answer that at a later date. But Mike this Leach. is Jim Harbaugh. This is Jim Harbaugh, not Mike Riley. Okay, let's let's substitute Mike Leach at the Michigan job. Do you get better or do you get worse? Oh, you I get meant worse. Nebraska. I know, I know, but I'm using that as the example gotcha. of who are you going to go get if you want to run Jim Har- Harbaugh out of town? Does he need to win more games? Yes. Does he need to be more competent in Big Ten play? Absolutely. Does he need to win a Big Ten championship and a national championship if he's making $7 million a year? Yes. But you signed the contract. You got what you know you were getting. He needs to get the guys to play. These are all steps on the way to success. Let him take his steps. He's Jim Harbaugh. His name and his pra- and his track record have earned him a couple minutes of leeway. You know, It's earned him a couple weeks. It's earned him a couple losses. Now, are the Michigan faithful getting restless? I assume so. But to the Michigan faithful, I say, is the grass greener? I'm selling. Jim Harbaugh's your coach. You should be lucky to have him. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you there. I guess it depends on where you have him rated. If you have him on the same level as a Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, no, or, or that's, Dabo that's Swinney, then he's error. overrated. But yeah. so, no, maybe, there are maybe, some, a, maybe a Dabo, but I, I, Dabo, I put Nick... I'll take Dabo put, just because he has the national championship. I think that's when you start to kind yeah, of separate with hot, what he's done and, recruiting. Whatever. If you Nick Saban and Urban Meyer are up here... I put them on a, in rare yes, but I put well, them some in the people, Bear Bryant. Some like, people do have Jim Harbaugh on that level. So if you have him on that level, yeah, he is overrated. Then you're overrating because, him, yes. I but I, I, I think in the, the general consensus, no. I think from Michigan fans that I know, this has always kind of been supposed to be what was going to be a little bit of a down year for them. They had some younger guys coming in, some talent, but they just the experience wasn't all going to be there. The quarterback play isn't quite where it needs to be yet. Yeah. Um, I think he needs, I forget the name of the young quarterback they have coming up, but they need uh, kind of needs him to hit. Uh, but for the most part, no. I mean, last year they looked like they were as good of a team as anybody, and they lost a really tough game on the road against Ohio State, and one you can hardly say is on the head coach. Um, this year, yeah, they, they've lost some tough ones, but they ran into what seemed like a buzzsaw in Penn State at Daniel Home in, in a yeah. really tough situation to go into and Absolutely. win, especially when you have a young football team like he does. So, no, yeah, I, and- I think you're, I mean, if, if two years from now we're having this conversation and, and he still, you know, hasn't beaten Ohio State yet, you know, hasn't gone to a Big Ten title game, then you can probably start to have the you know have the talk. But he's still taking over what was somewhat of a dumpster fire when Brady Hoke left. I won't call it a full-out dumpster fire because as bad of a coach Brady Hoke was, he still recruited. It's like a trash decently. can fire. Like he's still, tra- like, yeah, there you go. He still recruited like one of those, decently like winter well. winter under the viaduct fires. No? No. <laughs> but I, I completely agree with you. But man. no, he, he 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 still deserves a lot more time. And while he, yeah, he he, uh, may- he hasn't won that big one yet. But give, give him more than what two years to do. I know he had you know the first year is technically his third year, but you don't really expect much out of that first year. Uh, and taking just, over just make sure guys. just make sure he's there next year too, because I want the Irish to get a crack at him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a that's called it's a that's a it's a long term tease there, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, hope, hopefully we're still on the air by then, Joe, on our own air, because we, we create the air. <laughs> if the FCC doesn't crack down. Maybe, maybe uh, we'll Matt, go to that one, do a live broadcast. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, Matt, talk, I got one for people. you here. 
I got one for you here, but I only have one for you. So make this one count. Oh, Matt, buy crazy. or sell. I know. Matt, buy or sell group celebrations. We're seeing everything from pitchers and hitters to uh, hide and seek by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are they overdone? Are they a problem? If buy you, or sell if you're group not, celebrations in if, the NFL. If you're not buying this, you're not buying fun. And you just don't like having fun. Of course these are awesome. They're, they're, they're not like taking 10 minutes out of the game. They're, yeah, they're, they're planned a little bit. Coaches probably let, you know, 10, five minutes of practice at the end of it go to, you know, letting guys have fun, you know, plan a celebration, whatever, but it's fun. It, it's not really hurting anybody. These guys are mm-hmm. doing some, some funny stuff. The, the hide and seek thing was great that, uh, the baseball one, you said the Eagles did a couple weeks ago is fantastic. They're, they're just fun to watch. They're not taking, they're not hurting anybody. There's no harm done. They're not offending anybody, I think. And it, it's, a, they're fun to watch. They're fun. Some of them are corny. It, this I, seems like something you would have loved to do in college. No, I, I, really I feel like them. you would have had the entire offense at Wesley ready to go. Absolutely. I, go run the tape back at Elmhurst, my last game, the last game of my football career. There was some dancing going on in the end zone. Hey, there here, was some, I think what you like, would have done if you had this C-C-D opportunity. C.C.D. Jones. C.C.D. Jones. He knows what I'm talking about. There was some dancing in that end zone. But I, I would feel have like loved, you would have had, if you, if you you were able to plan your celebration, Joe, you would have been in the middle and you would have had five, what was it, five on full, either, however many on either side. You would have had the, the thriller dance going. You would have been Michael Jackson. Full choreography. Yeah. You would have full had that choreography, going. Matt. Yeah. I, I, I thriller, think that's what would have done. I would have, I would have slipped a 20 to the PA announcer before so he could queue up thriller when I crossed the goal line. So we, yeah, like I love that. I think that, I think that these are awesome at the NFL level. But I, I challenge them to get even more creative with it because, you know, the baseball pitching yeah. is kind of corny I, and overdone. I was, I was having a – actually talked about this with somebody at work last night. I thought the best celebration of the weekend – everybody loved the hide-and-seek one. The, the Robbie Anderson touchdown against the Dolphins where he – because I think this one was pretty much just thought of on the spot. He sprinted out of the end zone, did, did a leap over the fence, and sat oh, in these really luxury good. dolphin recliners. That was really good, And just yeah. kind of kicked the feet up. I thought that was, that was the best celebration of the night. Yeah, that was really good. I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Well, Matt, hit me. Okay. Buy or sell, Joe. This one, we're, we're going to go into the your your area here of expertise, the fashion. Oh, fashion. Yeah. Well, you, you it's buying, fashion, darling. You, you're buying or selling the Mitch Trubisky pink blazer, the pink uh, sport coat. If, there, there's, me, only, there's only one answer for this, and you give the wrong one. I might I'm going to give I'm going to give the wrong one for fashion purposes. Get off the phone. Um, It was... I like the idea. It was poorly executed. How? Kid, kid looks great in the suit. It, it, it's a great look. It was for breast cancer awareness. Love, love everything behind it. It was the wrong shade of pink. What are you talking about? That was it a perfect shade of pink. It wasn't a wearable pink. It was too fluorescent. I need a blush. I need a light pink in there. It's much more wearable, much more flattering. I needed a lighter shade of pink, and that's why I'm going to sell on it. I don't know. I had a, a, there were a couple other people at work last night who were very flattered by the shade of pink, Joe. Yeah, but Matt, realize who you're talking to here. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, Mitch isn't the, the – he doesn't strike me as the guy who's going, trying to go low-key with the amount of pink he's wearing. If he's wearing pink, he wants you to know it's pink, not you know, see a, a, a lightened shade of – or like a, a dulled shade of pink. He, he wants to stand out. He wants to stick out. He wants that you, bright pink. Let me tell you, let me, as a man with a blush He's walking with the camera. He kind of opens up so you can see the, the pattern lining he's got going on there, Joe. Yeah, I love I'm a good buying. lining. I love I'm it all. It. I don't love – what I don't love too is the jeans and untucked shirt look. That's he looked fair. Like, I'll give you that. He looked like a 50-year-old going to like Tavern me, on Rush for a late me, lunch. Give me a nice you know, a, a black pair of slacks with the white shirt tucked into it. Yeah. I'm fine with that. That's a good look. Maybe maybe even a black shirt too tucked into the bed. Uh, that's fine. You know what I want to see? I want to see a nod to his North Carolina roots too. I want a light blue slack, a light blue pant, a nice crisp white dress shirt tucked in, and a blush pink jacket. Let me style the kid, Matt. Did you just you just saw him in your mind's eye and you saw how good he looked. Yeah, you know, if I if I ever get the chance, Joe, I will I will tell him I got a guy who could be a stylist. <laughs> I got a guy who could take your post game your pre game post game look to the next level. I got a guy. You you want you want to be a real star? <laughs> oh goodness! So yeah, I'm selling on the on the bubblegum pink. I'm selling it. Well, then I'm selling on you. All right, Matt. Well, that's uh, that's by yourself of the day. Like I said, I only had one for you. I apologize for my incompetence, but um, I think we're going to jump in uh, mailbag here. Oh, let's do the mailbag. Um, we, we got the we got the Blackhawks making their their Vegas debut. 
uh, this yeah. weekend, and I think that's the, the with ever since the Vegas expansion, whether it's it's the hockey team or the the Raiders leaving for there, uh, people are saying you know that that's a must see destination. You got to go there see a game, whatever. That'd be a really fun road trip weekend. Uh-huh. Building off that, Joe, what is your bucket list sporting event? Whether that's a you got to go see a stadium, you got to see a certain rivalry game, certain uh, you know bowl game event, whatever. Uh, what's what's your bucket list event? There's so many still on the list that I've been lucky enough to mark a good number off the list. But the first thing that still comes to mind, and it always will until I do it, is the Masters. I, I just Stole the mine. way the way you the way I revere that tournament and and just. I'm, I'm looking at my, my bookshelf right now, and there's three books about the Masters. That, like, I, the history that I have, the, how I've adopted it and made it just part of my golf fandom, it, it just needs to happen. Every single year, I put my name in for the raffle for the tickets. Every single year, I don't get through. When you win, can I go? You have, you have a better chance of winning the lottery. Matt, I'm sorry, but uh, Papa Moose is probably going have to have to take that second. Oh, you only, you only get two tickets? Yeah, it's a two-ticket package. Um, can but, I uh, go with there, Papa if there was a, Yeah, you, you two can go. You know what? You're right. I think you'd have more fun this with is, me. This is, yeah, this is for you guys. Just Thanks. just pocket a pimento cheese sandwich and bring it back for me. That's yeah. all I ask. Done. Yeah. So done uh, done. Def- definitely the Masters. That would be my, my bucket list. Well, that was that was also going to be mine, but I, I had another one up there that I was I was also you know flirting with, which is some, oh. I'll go with that one for you. It's also in the golf lane, but – I, I need to get to St. Andrews, whether whether oh, that's for absolutely. a... Absolutely. I'd like that to be for a British Open. I don't think I can afford the uh, the green fees there to get me on the course playing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I need to get to St. Andrews. It's where, the go- it's where the game was invented. It's the oldest course, whatever. it is. It, so many historic things have happened there, similar to Augusta. But it, I think Augusta and St. Andrews are the kind of the two bucket list golf courses for any golf fans. We like to think of ourselves as somewhat of a golf podcast, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, there are countless different rivalry games in college football that I could see, whether that's, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, whether that's, you know, the Iron Bowl, stuff like that. But I, yeah. I, I think I think St. Andrews is is kind of the one that would take the most planning, obviously, being in Scotland and all that, and kind of take the most – It's a bucket know, list, though. That, that, that's that's why something it, that that's I think why it's on the bucket happen. list. Yeah. yeah, and I think the beauty of a golf tournament, too, is that you can make it a four-day affair or a mm-hmm. two-day affair or a three-day affair. It doesn't have to be four hours on a Saturday afternoon, um, but uh, definitely a lot of great events that I'd love to get out to. Well, that was that was a good mailbag question to whoever sent that in. All righty. Well, yeah. thank you to all the Moose and Runes listeners for always tuning in and sending us your questions. We have a great time chopping it up. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Like we always say, give us your feedback on iTunes, wherever. Shoot us a text. We know most of you have our numbers, but uh, get at us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what we need to work on because um, we're here for you and um we really enjoy doing what we're doing matt and uh before we uh shut it down here you got uh, you got anything else for the peeps uh, i don't think i do i think we need to come up for a name for our listeners like the moose and runes the uh i don't know we'll, we'll I'll, I'll pray on it but you're the um, you're the creative one so you yeah I'll, I'll i'll think about it but uh, maybe next week maybe maybe episode 27 the the moose and runes listeners get a uh a much well-deserved uh denotion yeah there's, there's quite a few of them out there i think they're getting to the point where they deserve a name <laughs> A, a, a growing, a growing uh, gaggle of fans we have. But let's not say that. I don't like that. That's no gaggle. Bad. I don't like that. Okay, that's not good. All right. No, let's well, shut us down. Okay, <laughs> shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Uh, I'm, I'm going to shut us down quickly here with a with a tribute to probably I, I think including Cal Ripken's Iron Man streak, the, the most impressive and probably untouchable streak in the history of sports. Uh, Joe Thomas, tore his, the, the, the left tackle over there in Cleveland, has been for I however 12 years, 10 years, whatever it's been, um, tore his tricep, what looked like straight off the bone uh, Sunday against Tennessee, and now they're saying might be career-threatening for him, might not play the game again. But uh, that, that, that next snap that he missed was off the field for ended a 10,363 consecutive snap streak. That's not, you know, not, it, it, it's, it'd be more impressive, as impressive if anybody, you know, didn't miss a game in 10 seasons, 12 seasons, whatever it's been. But the fact that he, in such a violent game, at such a violent position, with such a, you know, large frame, which with so many things that can go wrong in, in bigger bodies like that, the fact that he did not miss a snap for for ten thousand plus consecutive snaps, I think, is more impressive 
than any Iron Man streak you'll see. I think that it, that should be the new standard. That should surpass what Cal Ripken did in Baltimore. Not that that's not incredibly impressive, but the the, the fact that that's now over is a little bit sad. And the fact that now the the career of arguably the best left tackle to play the game, and if he would have been on a team like a Dallas or you know a San Francisco or Chicago, whatever, and not in Cleveland, I think he widely be seen as the greatest left tackle of all time. It wouldn't be a debate. But uh, the, the fact that, that career is ending that way, I think it might be fitting that he doesn't play a snap after that streak. If he doesn't play a snap after that streak ends, that's how the way he goes out. But uh, it's it's sad to see that streak end. And just to tip of the cap to him for for the all the stuff he's probably had to go through, the minor injuries, probably even the major injuries he's fought through to continue playing for such a god awful football team, really going nowhere. It's uh, is is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's that's well said, Matt, and great stuff uh, by Joe Thomas. I think my favorite anecdote is he said uh, at one point a few years ago he walked into the huddle and had to introduce himself to his quarterback. So that's a little picture of just the futility he's had to deal with in Cleveland. Done it all with uh, with his chin held high in the air, an absolute warrior. Um, we could do a buy or sell here right now about more impressive Cal Ripken streak or the Joe Thomas streak, both of them. Great stuff, but uh, something something we'll probably never see again. So, uh, like you said, tip of the cap, and uh, many congratulations to if it is a career, an outstanding career by uh, by the by the warrior over there at, at tackle. Yeah. Thank you to all the Moose and Runes listeners for tuning in here to Moose and Runes episode number twenty six. We had a great time chatting. We uh, hope you had a great time listening, and uh, can't wait to get back at it next Tuesday for episode twenty seven. Like we said, maybe a couple surprises, maybe a new segment, and maybe a name here for the Moose and Runes faithful. We thank you, as always, for tuning in here to the Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. You have a wonderful week, listeners. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.